When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well, Chris, this is the TOT cast. As you know, before we did anything else, before we did anything involving any of this, we were Toronto sports fans. So now I ask you as a fan, have you ever felt as low as after this game two shellacking by the Cleveland Cavaliers? Because it's hard for me to, outside of the Kansas City Royals, it's hard for me to find other times. Game one. Game one was worse than game two. This was a little bit better, and I stress little, but game one was worse. So, yeah, you, you probably felt worse on, uh, what was that, Tuesday night? Yeah, that was Tuesday night. You definitely felt worse Tuesday night. I had a hard time getting up in the uh, afternoon. It was just sickening. But, yeah, I hear you with the afternoon. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. It, it, uh, well, yeah. if we learn anything tonight, it's that the Cavs are still really good and the Raptors are just not quite there. One thing I really, that kind of saddens me more than anything else, and it was something that nobody talked about going into this series, and one that I really hoped would matter, but I mean, what a difference a month makes, let's just be real with it, is it's so sad to see a a, a team, two teams, sorry, that had just one game separating them in the win column in the regular season, to be just this so damn far apart in the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's a variety of things that contribute to that. Um, For the Raptors, obviously health is a big thing. Like Valanciunas being out, I don't think he'd make a, a big-time difference in this series, but he'd make a difference. Instead of them getting blown up by 20, maybe like 10 games competitive down the stretch, you just there's a lot of things that he would help with. Kyle Lowry's not just physically banged up, he's mentally banged up, as we can see. DeRozan is a nice supplementary 1B player, he's not a 1A superstar, I think we can say that. I can go on and on and on here with the roster, but if anything, that this whole playoff run, these 16 games have shown us, and at least probably show Messiah Jury too, is that he can evaluate this team and he truly knows what he has now. They're good enough to beat most of the East, but the only team that matters in the East, they they clearly can't compete with yet. Put yourself in Messiah Jury's shoes right now, Chris, and given the body of work that you've seen so far, um, let's just play... I'll play the absolute worst of the devil's advocates right now and say the Raptors get swept. What would be some of the things, if you were in Messiah Jury's shoes, that you would look at going into this offseason? Uh, I feel like we should save that for a post-mortem podcast when the series is done, because it may look like it's over, and it it is over. Like let's let's be real here, it is over. But I feel like we could save that. We could save that kind of discussion. Right now, there's still two games left. We could kind of look back at what we got for this game and go forward after. I mean, that's a that's a real 
gloomy podcast. All right, so <laughs> let, me, post-mortem. let me switch gears to something that's a little bit more positive then. Um, something that even though, and I, I actually can't believe I'm saying this, that there are actually positives to look at, but if there is one or two positives to look at, let's talk about the lack of shooting from LeBron James from anything outside the paint. He doesn't need to. If you were LeBron, I mean, you look at what the Raptors are playing right now. Why not? Like, why does he need to shoot from outside the paint? Uh, most of his points are coming from the restricted area, no less, so it's five feet and in. But if you look at what the Raptors are doing, they were so hell-bent on basically trying to take away the perimeter from the Cavs because they've been lights out, right? So what you'll see a lot of times is them kind of, I don't want to say cheating, but they're they're scraping out a bit, and the, whack, the weak side defense has been very weak. It's okay. You can call it the whack side defense. <laughs> no, no. It's been, it's been pretty bad as a whole. But you see guys like Biombo getting no help underneath. Um, a lot a lot of backdoor cuts have just been annihilating the Raptors. Game one and again tonight in game two. I mean, the Cavs had 50 points in the paint again tonight. It just sounds like they knew exactly what the scouting report was. They knew that this is a team that was built for defending the perimeter. So now they're just, honestly, just seems like, let me put it this way in terms, because I know you're, you're a big bodybuilding fan. You you do enjoy that. Well, the Raptors aren't built to defend the perimeter, though. They were the second worst perimeter defensive team the entire season. The thing with them is they, they've been so committed to clogging the paint up in the playoffs that all of a sudden they play this team that can actually stretch the floor and shoot the three at a high level. Indiana couldn't do it. They could do it at streaky points. Miami was like streaky all season. They weren't a very good three-point shooting team, but they had their moments as well. We saw in Charlotte. And all of a sudden they play one. It's like they, they literally changed their whole entire identity for what? They were also missing. and I, I mean, I'm beating a dead horse when I've said this in the last couple of episodes. But they were also missing their top perimeter defender for for about half the season, if not more so. Yeah. So even and to your point, obviously, like and even the point that I was making earlier a couple of episodes ago about the fact that the Raptors they they couldn't defend the perimeter, but they've marginally made that commitment, as you said. Well, actually, not even marginally, they have made that yep. commitment. I want to go back to my my bodybuilding analogy right now because I know you, you love that stuff. So it really just seems like right now. The Cleveland Cavaliers spent all of the last series specifically flexing the biceps, and it seems now they've moved on to the triceps in <laughs> attacking the paint. And, and LeBron James, I mean, how long and, – and here's a, here's something that I'd like to bring up as well. How long have you talked about how much you've wanted LeBron James to stop settling for the jump shot, to stop settling for the three back, even as far back when he was with Cleveland the first run around in the beginning of Miami, and just seeing how much more dominant he could be to take over games and attacking the rim. And it seems like he's truly figured that out now. He's truly figured out the, that what he does best is using his size, using his body. It's not about him just trying to be a Magic Johnson. It's about him being a Magic Johnson and a power forward almost at the same time. I mean, this is a guy that literally plays like Magic Johnson, but he's built like Ben Wallace, if not even bigger. And plays like Ben Wallace on the defensive end even at times. And now you've got this situation now where he's been attacking the room and been so successful at doing it. So the question I ask you now is, do the Raptors switch things up going into the Air Canada Center? Do they really do they see this game tape they have and now go, you know what? Let's, we, we're better off taking a chance with the three-point shot Cleveland has as opposed to letting LeBron dominate us inside and also Kevin Love to a certain extent because he made some really impressive shots down low today on the one-on-one matchups. Do we make? Do they change that? Do they change that defensive philosophy? LeBron hasn't really been driving to the hoop and cutting them up. He's just getting a lot of easy baskets, like the whole team has. The Cavs are just getting a lot of easy baskets. Fast breaks are a mother effort. Yeah, I mean the thing is though is like Kyrie's just cutting up Lowry for the most part. Like he's taking him from the three point line and working him right in um, at will if he wants. 
the the whole thing with Cleveland right now is the ball's moving and they're they're dominating the glass as well. It may not be like as visible in the box score, but when you watch the game, just the Raptors' inability to box out a lot of times leads to a lot of different things that the Cavs are able to take advantage of. In particular, those backdoor cuts. Like if you know they're not going to box out, and you can you can manipulate certain things from an offensive standpoint to set up easier baskets for you. And there's definitely things they've noticed on film, whether it be the weak side help and how it's kind of trailing off. These are these are things that are just like domino effect where. If you don't do them on one end, it just trickles on to the other end, and it just it just keeps going with like it just makes everything a lot easier for Cleveland. And the prime example is on the glass and in the paint. I mean, they they know they can have their way in yep. there. You look at a guy like Tristan Thompson; he doesn't get enough credit for what the Cavs do, but he's cleaned is up. Is it because he's Canadian, Chris? I just think he just <laughs> he's not flashy. <laughs> I feel like everyone everyone just overlooks the Canadians, even when they're on their favorite teams. <laughs> I just think it's because he's not flashy, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, the big thing for me with the Cavs, no, which I really agree. stood out, has been over this past month, they kind of stumbled into this amazing LeBron in the reserves lineup. And all the credit to Tyron Lue for figuring this out. Uh, Kyrie Irving is not a great distributor to play the second line, the, the second reserve lineup. And they've kind of inserted him into a strict role with the starters where he can kind of play with you know, talent mm. that can play with him because he is a bit of a complex player. And they let LeBron play the second unit and just distribute. And what he's getting these guys to do has been sensational. And, and, and talk to me, as I said, about Tyron Lue um, doing everything that he has done up until this point because there really has been a lot of t- everything, all, every major media market. I mean, you were the one that showed myself and a few other people on uh, Tip of the Tower, uh, one of the, uh, the articles I've been writing up, and there had been a, a bit of a revelation actually in the – Cleveland Cavaliers um, uh, team chemistry, I guess you will, if you will, and also Tyron Lue's leadership, and just a true example of his leadership that he's shown now uh, going with this team now that he's taken over, because a lot of the dominant conversation in major American media markets, and even up here in Canada as well, a lot of people don't understand this story that actually unfolded, so elaborate a little bit on uh, what you were able to kind of show us, and um, I mean, some some more people should be able to know about, or should be knowing about. Yeah, there was an article that came out of basically how Teron Lue was telling LeBron James to shut the F up and just play. And he was basically holding him accountable, which is something LeBron hasn't really had to deal with since, God, I'd say his days in Miami with Pat Riley. And to a certain extent, Spolstra. But I really feel like Riley was the one behind the scenes there kind of telling LeBron, listen, do this and you'll get this. And we saw what that result was. So clearly the process worked. Yeah. With Tyron Lue coming in now, something you mentioned off the air was how Tyron Lue's been around Kobe. He's been around Phil Jackson. He's been around Shaq. Basically, he's been around those Lakers teams and other title teams that he knows what it takes. He knows that the whole makeup, the pedigree, the attitude, all the little intangibles that you don't necessarily see from watching the game, you only get as being a part of that team and following them around 365 days a year. It's showing. And he's got Cleveland firing on all cylinders. The little adjustments he's making, everything is just clicking at the right time. And you hear him say a lot, trust the pass, trust the pass, trust the pass. And he's just kind of getting them to trust the offense and trust themselves, trust each other, and realize that, hey, we're actually a pretty damn good team, aside from LeBron. And (laughs) it's paying dividends. It's really paying dividends. And I think um, another thing that we could try, I'm on the path now of, now that, like, the anger has subsided from watching this game, so I'm I'm, I'm more on the path now of trying to find the positives of things that are being available to us right now. And as a Raptors fan, and even even just as an NBA analyst watching this, I'd have to say that the Toronto Raptors didn't exactly do themselves any favor by not executing when they were given multiple opportunities to do so, more specifically on the three-point line. 
Yeah, I mean they're fourteen to fifty-seven in two games from three. And they get, and how many wide open looks did they have, especially in the first half? Yep. It literally was out there saying take it, and then you've got the bench, Cleveland's bench, pretty much playing a little bit of mental defense. Yeah, and Corey Joseph. screaming in Corey Joseph's ear, and I think that sums up the Raptors' first two games in this Eastern Conference Finals perfectly. They got completely psyched out. <sighs> the mental edge that Cleveland's holding over them right now is. It's unfathomable to a certain extent because it's like, man, okay, you, you know Cleveland's good, but at the same time, you're playing with house money. Just go out there, play loose, let it fly, man. You, you know you're not going to get calls. You know it's going to be a hostile environment. You know nobody believes in you. Just You know all those negative factors are against you. So don't worry about it. Who gives a rip? Just go out there and literally just play with house money. Honestly, and you'd hope that... You know, that kind of mentality would breed something like if Corey Joseph, if you got Richard Jefferson screaming here while you're hitting that shot, for him to just turn around, hit the shot, just turn around and just give him a peace sign or just something. You know what I mean? Like just having that mentality of literally, sometimes it's not a bad thing to not care as much. Yeah. And to be honest, I mean, you could argue the counter side of it too and say that maybe they are trying to play with house money. I mean, they've shot 57 threes in two games. Good point. Yeah. Like if those, if those threes fall... But they're nervous with it. You can see it. The hesitation. Yeah. Like, guys are... you got to have Eddie House-sized stones to jack up threes like that. <laughs> and anybody who remembers Eddie House in Miami when we hit the three and he had the infamous <laughs> run down the court saying, how big are my balls? Like, you got to have stones like that if you're going to play like this. And to be fair, there's a guy who, who got his, uh, his ass whooped more than a few times when he was playing with the Bobcats. So, oh, I mean... He bounced around the league quite a bit. There you go. But so, the Raptors need to, to kind of... <laughs> Just let it fly, man. Like, quit trying to, like, make everything look so pretty or just worry about this. Like, it, it, there's a lot of mental factors going on with them that it's, it's hard to figure out. They're a very difficult team to figure out right now. Very difficult. And one one really last thing that I want to input on this episode more than anything for me personally is just it – now, for anyone that listens to this podcast consistently knows that I, I both me and Chris are baseball players in a, in a younger time, in, in, in our thinner days. <laughs> But um, one of the number one things that was always bad for the teams that I played for and one of the things that always the teams that you played for that took advantage of were the bad innings. There was always a bad inning that would always either keep my team from victory or that would you know, pretty much seal a, a win for you guys whenever you were playing. Now, with that analogy in point, I, I do have to bring up the fact that the Toronto Raptors, with the exception of two quarters, this quarter today, the second quarter today, and the third quarter in Game 1, they've played the Cavaliers pretty much even. Yep. It, it actually has not been that bad of a series. You take out a couple of mental lapses for a quarter, and guys, and you can chalk it up to either the Cleveland Cavaliers turning it on, the LeBron factor, and just even other guys knowing that you have LeBron on the floor with you or LeBron on the bench kind of there. It's that confidence factor of knowing, hey, I can take these kind of shots because I know that we almost have a safety net to work with that the Raptors just simply don't have. Or you could also just chalk up to the fact that the Toronto Raptors, being in the situation that they're in, they come out intense, and then just something falters. They just can't stay consistent. Well, here, I mean, I could sum it up for you real quick with how bad it's been. Do it. Sportsnet tweeted out, uh, well, they had a nice little image on, two-minute warning. So stats in the final two minutes of a quarter in each of this series. So basically, in the final two minutes of these eight quarters we've watched, the Cavs have scored 43 points, the Raptors have scored 19 the Cavs are shooting 57% from the field. The Raptors, 20%. Rebounds, 21. Raptors, 10. It's been an issue we've seen throughout this entire playoffs where the Raptors cannot close out quarters. Particularly with the Heat and the Pacers series, it was before half. 
Before half, they could not. They, they couldn't close out anything yeah. before half. And a lot of the times it was with Lowry on the bench. Lowry's playing quite a bit. He's involved in pretty much all these two minutes here for this series at least. Mm-hmm. And they just can't close anything out. And you look at, even to close out the second quarter, the Cavs went on a 16-2 to run. The game was close for, God, the first, what, I want to say 20 minutes? 20, like, yeah, probably 20 minutes. Yep. And 18, it- 20 minutes. And then the Cavs just went on that monster run. I mean, the Raptors missed nine straight shots. During that spin, the only thing they made, the only two points they got, was DeRozan free throws. Yep. So for them closing out quarters, and basically keeping these little moments that turn into gigantic runs, mm-hmm. like they can't keep them in check, and it's been killing them. And I, I don't know what it is, but when things start rolling downhill for them against them, it just it's like an avalanche, mm-hmm. and it's killed them. And and the inner fan of me will, all I'd have to say after all of that and. That kind of mentality of making sure you're closing out games, this really is turned into just a learning process for the Toronto Raptors. It's it's we're we're playing with house money, but I think the more the more accurate way for me to put it right now is that whatever happens from here on out, these guys have to be sponges with everything that's going on around them. They need to take in every moment, especially the bad ones. Take in the bad ones because you're only going to be able to learn from your mistakes mistakes more effectively than you ever will from any of your successes. This is a team that I like to think has learned so much from itself in these two back-to-back seven-game series that they had. Yep. And yeah, you know what? Me as a fan, I'm not going to lie. I didn't. I have not enjoyed watching this Raptors run. The enti- I've, I don't think I've ever recalled a time where I've been so nervous, They're so Jekyll irritated. They're completely Jekyll and Hyde. I actually have not enjoyed this run at all. I'm happy that they've gotten to this point. I'm satisfied as a fan that they've shown. But at the end of the day, from the team that we saw, literally one game separating them from the Cleveland Cavaliers in the standings for the entire regular season. And yeah, we have this running joke that we have off the air. We have this running joke that we even have with a lot of people in the industry. The regular season doesn't really doesn't really count, especially in the Eastern Conference. Because there's there's teams that are going to be in there and there's teams that just simply aren't. We know that. Yeah. But you'd like to think that they... These teams can at least, especially a team that finishes second in the East, can learn and, and understand something a little bit more effectively than what we're seeing put forth right now. Here. This will be the most important offseason in Raptors history. Yes. 100% because you look at one of the assets they have is the lottery. They got the ninth overall pick coming up. So they're going to be able to add a player who may not be able to impact immediately, but he'll be in some sort of fashion in the rotation more likely next year. Then you have all the offseason things with DeRozan, enough money to re-sign him and another max free agent, whether that be Nick Batum or whoever they want to pursue. Then you get this whole playoff run where they can really truly evaluate what they have, who fits in, who doesn't. I mean, you look at game one and game two, the effort level at times has been pitiful. I'm just going to say what it is here. I mean, Patrick Patterson dragging his ass there in the third quarter, and it leads to an easy lay-in bucket. Lowry, I think he did. I, I don't know what he was trying to do to try to not draw the foul on Kyrie Irving there. I, I believe that was late in the third quarter as well. But you, you just can't be doing those things, right? Like it's just like this is game two of the Eastern Conference Finals. You'd expect to see a little bit more energy, a lot more effort, and a lot more just playing with everything you have. Mm-hmm. I hate to sound so cliche, but you would like to see more of that. And when you don't, I mean, if you're Messiah Jury, you're clearly watching this from afar. You're going to watch it again. You're probably going to watch it again, and a few more times after that. So you're really truly going to break this down and say, okay, we need this. We need to get rid of this. What works with Dwayne Kate? There's just going to be a lot of communication, a lot of evaluation going on that the Raptors can truly improve on what they have. And and for me, I mean, these next two to three years, you have Kyle Lowry under contract for the next two at a, at a fairly cheap rate. Because let's face it, when that contract's up, if he wants to stay here, they're going to have to pay him. 
mm-hmm. and then they'll be paying DeRozan, probably somebody else. They'll have a tough decision to make. So these next two to three years, they have a chance to really maximize this window of opportunity in the East. It's just them and the Cavs. Unless a big-name free agent comes or there's some sort of development with another team. You don't this, think Boston could land somebody? I, I think they could. I really think they could. But is a guy like Al Horford or – Durant's not going there, but let's, yeah. just, let's just appease the fans and say possibly Durant. Like are these guys enough to really push them over the top? I don't know. I think they'll make them really competitive. But I don't know if they'll make them better than the Raptors. Mm-hmm. This unit's only going to get better. The yeah. Raptors are going to add players. They're going to they're going to tinker with this lineup. They're going to add things that are going to make them better. That's why I I think going forward, they're in the most best spot they could possibly be in. They're in the best spot they've ever been in as a franchise. Oh, absolutely. And it's only going to go up from here. So yeah. that's why I wouldn't be too discouraged about them getting blown up by the Cavs. You'll probably see the same matchup again next year. And it does kind of scare me a little bit, or not even scare me, but just it does kind of sadden me in a sense though that this team has never been in a better opportunity to succeed. But the Eastern Conference has never looked weaker. So it's almost like a, to your point, a Jekyll and Hyde thing where, you know, all it takes is just one or two free agents to come over to the Eastern Conference to make it a different conversation. And that is really, you know, you're really rolling the dice just to understand what's going to happen next. But to your point, do I think the Raptors are the best, are the most thoroughly well-built team outside of the Cleveland Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference? Absolutely, I agree with that. And absolutely, I think the Toronto Raptors, as long as they continue with that kind of setting and build and mentality that they have, they're going to continue to be a force in the Eastern Conference. So this year, I'm going to say it right now, unless Jonas Valanciunas comes back looking like Gandalf the White, unless Kyle Lowry takes himself a hard look in the mirror and just brings out his inner Allen Iverson in him and starts trying to, or, and unless the Toronto Raptors recruit Allen Iverson to, to sit right behind uh, Tyron Lue in the, uh, in the front court, and, I mean, we, we uh, try and recruit party next door to uh, be at the opposite <laughs> end of the basket where Kyrie Irving is playing on. That'd be comical. And, and just have him move every single time the, the Cavaliers are trying to uh, score on that basket, have party next door standing right there looking at him. Uh, I, I don't see the Toronto Raptors coming out on top of this. I just, at the very least, we're hoping they even just make this a five-game series at this point. Um, with all of that being said, though, Chris... Um, I think they it's, could win one this yeah. weekend. I well, mean, I, I completely agree. I think there's no reason they shouldn't. Well, it's a long weekend. These guys are still athletes. They're still young. <laughs> a, a long weekend in Toronto. Okay? I love it. No, but think about it. Think oh, about it from yeah, a humanistic absolutely. perspective. We, it's, they're they're going to go out. They're, they get here tomorrow on a Friday, okay? They play Saturday at 8.30. So guys are definitely going to go out. If you don't think they are, you're naive. They're going out. Saturday night they play. They don't play again until Monday night. They'll probably go out again Saturday. Some guys will go out Sunday because Monday's a holiday, so it'll be nice. Yeah. You think the Jarrett Smiths of the world are not going out? Yeah. Man, Jarrett Smith is known to be an absolute party animal everywhere he goes. Yeah. That's what got him out of New York. Guys will be out, and all you can hope for is that they're really cocky, the Cavs, and they think they can beat the Raptors still half in the bag, tanked, and they show up, and the Raptors take advantage of a team that's sluggish and probably hungover and probably whatever else they're dipping into. That's it. That That's it. But if, if they come dialed in... And hell, man, if they beat them half in the bag, I mean, it, it'll be a sweep. But that that's the only thing I got is the humanistic side of it, that they're going to come here on a long weekend to one of the better places in the world, in North America at least, to party. And it's also going to be warm, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, yeah. 25 degrees is going to be the high. Celsius, these, mind you. These guys will be out. <laughs> Believe me. Yeah. They'll be out and about. So maybe the Raptors can sneak one out off of that. Let's go Raptors. Right? 
So, as always, I'd like to uh, thank everybody personally for uh, listening to another episode of the uh, TOT cast. If you want to reach uh, Chris O'Kranitz, you can reach him at Chris O'Kranitz on Twitter. You can reach me at Ryan Greco 416 on Twitter. Always be sure to reach out to the show itself at Tip of the Tower on Twitter and uh, always on iTunes. Not just subscribing, because once again, we always appreciate the subscribes, but also be sure to give us a rating. The five stars, they go a long way, uh, giving us a, a chance to climb up the charts whenever we get an opportunity. So those are always greatly appreciated. If you want to reach out as well in another way, you can see us on the Facebook page, Tip of the Tower. And as always, we will see you next time. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode, and uh, take care. Go Raptors. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.